events we organize webinars that we are pleased to share on our podcast channel and on our website www.arent.com. Our tax partners recorded a series of webinars to address recent highlights and important developments in the areas of corporate tax and VAT. We invite you to listen to our five webinars entitled Budget 2021 What to Remember, Case Law Main Trends, Outlook 2021 for Corporations, EU and International Trends, Transfer Pricing Challenges for 2021, and VAT Update for Private Equity. Dear all, uh, welcome to this uh, um, annual uh, tax webinar series. Um, today we, we're going to make a focus on an outlook uh, on the, the measures uh, uh, for cooperation uh, that will um, come into play uh, this year and in, 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 in the next year. Uh, so this is a, fo a focus on the EU uh, EU measures and as well uh, on the international trend and what we can uh, expect uh, in the in the coming years uh, coming from the OECD and uh, and uh, and the EU. Um, before uh, entering to the details and uh, uh, going to the agenda of the presentation, um, we you have the possibility to uh, ask comments, uh, ask questions via the. Q&A function, so do not hesitate to, to do it. Um, even even I will uh, will be pleased to uh, to address a few a few questions at the end of the presentation, and of course uh, we'll be able to follow up uh, uh, after the presentation for, for for other queries you you might have. So uh, feel free to feel free to to, to raise comments and questions. So the agenda of this uh, uh, of this presentation, uh, we're gonna. Uh, we're going to have uh, a focus on uh, this list of items. So we're going to start with DAC6 and uh, the, the fact that now uh, the, the provision of DAC6 uh, 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 came to play uh, since the beginning of this year. Um, a specific focus as well on ETA2 and the, the, the reverse hybrid rules that will uh, uh, apply uh, um, potentially in 2021. Uh, Eve, uh, we, Eve uh, will address that point, but uh, in, in principle and basically, uh, it will be for, for 2022. But uh, there, there is a few items to, to interesting items to, 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 to address in that respect. Um, a new provision uh, that will uh, come into play relates to uh, the interest and royalties uh, uh, deductibility paid to uh, uh, enterprises in blacklisted jurisdictions. So this is a new provision that will uh, that will apply. Uh, uh, in, uh, in Luxembourg, uh, we we had uh, uh, a last uh, last minute item I would say regarding ATAD one and the interest limitation rules um, because the, the tax authorities issued a, a circular um, a, a few a few days ago. So there there, there are some elements to to raise interesting elements in that respect, and we will uh, we will uh, we we'll spend some time on that. Um, 
Attack to the update. Uh, this would be a, a quick item that may be a, a specific focus on, on, on Russia. This is an interesting uh, development uh, in that respect. And uh, to, to finish the presentation, uh, a few elements relating to Brexit, and uh, I would say the, the EU and international trends going forward for the, for the next year. So I, I leave uh, uh, starting with, uh, with DAXIS uh, and the, the six-month extension. Hello, everyone. So I will start uh, with DAXIS, as Hanson said. We expect or we hope at least that you are quite familiar with, with this directive as uh, it may imply some obligations on your end and also with the service providers that you work with uh, in general. So to give a bit of context, this directive uh, addresses the mandatory exchange of information of certain cross-border uh, arrangements. And uh, it's, it's a directive, so Luxembourg had to implement that uh, last year and the reporting was supposed to start already in summer uh, 2020. Because of the COVID situation, uh, the EU Commission understood that there was some complexity for the taxpayers and for the intermediaries to, to already start reporting, and they have allowed EU member states, among others Luxembourg, to basically extend the reporting deadlines. Um, and that's what we are, we are going to present now, basically, as you may know, DAXIS is a bit of a strange directive in, in a way that it addresses not only current transactions, so current arrangements, but also past arrangements. So the, 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 the time that we need to have a look at is basically June uh, 2018 until June 2020, and then a new period that starts in July 2020 because the law, the Luxembourg law, enters into force uh, in July 2020. So basically, the, the deadlines, the reporting deadlines have been extended, and for the period, so for the past arrangements, so the ones that uh, go from June 2018 to June 2020, you have until the end of February of 2021 to make the reporting, and for more recent transactions, uh, you have until the end of January of this year to make the reporting. And all of this information will be collected by the Luxembourg Tax Authorities, um, and then the first exchange between EU member states, so meaning Luxembourg will transmit the information that it has collected to all the other EU member states. That will occur uh, a, few late, uh, a few months later, so it's, it will start in, in April of this year. So it's simply uh, something that's, that you need to monitor, you need to, to, to be able to assess whether any of your arrangements have been uh, or maybe in the scope of, this, of these new rules. The second item that we wanted to address uh, is the application of the reverse hybrid rule. So this one is uh, coming from the ATA2 directive. So it's the anti-tax avoidance uh, directive. Most of the rules of the ATA2 are already in force uh, in Luxembourg, but this one is the only one that remained and that will come uh, in force a bit later. Um, when you see reverse hybrids, it may be a bit complicated to understand if you're not uh, basically a tax advisor. Uh, to really simplify the concept, uh, you need to understand that different countries have obviously different domestic tax rules, and they also have different ways of seeing uh, how, or at least how to treat foreign entities. And a hybrid entity is simply, for example, an entity that in Luxembourg may be a transparent entity. So you may be familiar with the Luxembourg uh, SLP, so Special Limited Partnership or Common Limited Partnerships. So in Luxembourg, we would view that as a transparent entity, but for example, in the country of an investor, 
the investor may consider that that Luxembourg entity is a tax opaque entity based on its own domestic tax rules. And that creates a, creates a mismatch, let's say. And in some cases, for example, in Luxembourg, because of the transparency, the income will not be taxable. Luxembourg expects that to, tax, to be taxable at a higher level, so at investor level. But at investor level, because it sees the Luxembourg partnership as an opaque entity, it will not tax anything uh, at its level because it, it's expecting a distribution. If there is no distribution, there is no taxation. And the reverse hybrid rule is basically targeting this situation where there is no taxation in Luxembourg and there is no taxation uh, at investor level. And uh, the way that the rule targets this situation is by rendering uh, the income of the Luxembourg partnership taxable. Not all the taxes would apply, so it's, we are only talking about corporate income tax. As you know, in Luxembourg, our corporate taxation is divided into, on the one hand, corporate income tax, and on the second hand, municipal business tax. So this would not apply to municipal business tax, and this does not apply also to network tax, because we are only talking about the income that is generated at the level of the Luxembourg partnership. So that if the rule applies, the conclusion is that the income may become taxable at the level of the Luxembourg partnership, which is in principle transparent, and then there is no taxation in, in Luxembourg. So these rules, uh, fortunately, they do not apply automatically. There are quite some conditions to be fulfilled for them to apply. The first leg of the conditions is basically to see if between the investors and the Luxembourg partnership, there is an associated enterprise relationship. And that uh, condition, let's say, uh, can be analyzed uh, on, yeah, following a few items. The first one is you look at the percentage that a given investor holds in the, in the Luxembourg partnership, and the threshold is set at 50%. For that, you need to take into account not only the capital that the investor may hold in the Luxembourg partnership, but also its voting rights or its right to profits that uh, are distributed or not by the Luxembourg partnership. So that's the first one. You can be, this rule can apply uh, if you have associated enterprises, but it's not that easy. Then you need to also uh, bear in mind that even if your investors do not reach that threshold, you can have some investors that are considered as acting together. And then what you would basically do is group their percentage of holdings, and then by grouping these percentages, you can exceed the 50% threshold, and then this rule can apply, even though if you don't have a single investor that holds uh, more than 50%. Fortunately, in Luxembourg, uh, we have taken a rather uh, favorable approach for, for investment funds, and we have a simplification measure that applies to, 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 to investment funds. It's a, what we call a de minimis uh, rule of 10%. And the way that it works is basically whenever you have investors that hold less than 10% in the Luxembourg partnership, they are deemed not to be uh, acting together. So basically you would not be needing to group them to see if you are in presence of associated enterprises. So that's, that's a simplification measure that we, that we have. Uh, obviously, if the tax authorities can evidence that the investors, although they hold, they hold less than 10%, they can be grouped, then uh, you would need to, to prove otherwise. But let's say that prima facie, you, 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 can, you have this simplification measure. So that's, that, let's say, the first leg of, of the conditions. So are we in presence of associated enterprises? That's the first one. And then the second one is, 
among those investors that constitutes associated enterprises, uh, we have more than 50% of them that view the Luxembourg partnership, that is transparent for Luxembourg tax purposes, as opaque for their own purposes in their own tax jurisdiction. And when you have these two cumulative conditions that are met, then the rule would apply, so meaning uh, the income at the Luxembourg level, so at the level of the Luxembourg partnership, would become subject to corporate income tax. Um, there is uh, a measure that is very important for investment funds, and it's basically a carve-out, so a favorable measure also for, for investment funds in Luxembourg. It means that when you have a collective investment fund, so when your Luxembourg partnership is a collective investment fund, then it would be excluded from the application of, the, of these rules. And to determine if you are uh, a collective investment fund, you have basically three conditions. First one, do we have a widely uh, held uh, investment fund? So do we have a lot of investors? Does the investment fund has, have a diversified portfolio of securities? And then do we have some kind of investor protection regulation? So meaning, for example, is the fund supervised, and that can be directly or indirectly through its ISN. Whenever you meet these three conditions, the, that Luxembourg partnership is excluded and could not be subject to corporate income tax uh, under this rule. And that means that, for example, most of the UCITs, uh, UCI's Part 2, uh, CIFs, RISE, certain IS, can benefit from this carve-out and would not be uh, bothered by, by, by this rule, but you need al always to check if you meet this three conditions in your case. So as Vincent, as Vincent said, this rule will only play uh, in 2022, but uh, the wording of the law is a bit uh, tricky on this one, and it's for financial years that close in 2022. So it means that if you have a partnership that has a diverging uh, financial year, for example, that can start in, in March of 2021, and that would close in, in, in March 2022, you, you could also be facing uh, adverse implications already this year, because you start your diversion financial year this year. And so the rules basically require a bit of monitoring um, and can create some problems. So in a fund context, uh, the most, uh, let's say, that point that we need to take care of is for co-investment vehicles, because sometimes these vehicles, they invest lower in the investment uh, fund structure, and they may be put in place only for one investment, and then probably you would not fall into the, the three conditions to benefit from the, from the collective investment fund exclusion. So now I will go to the third topic That's, that is much easier than the ATA2 and uh, reverse hybrid rule. It's a quite uh, easy to understand measure. It's simply whenever you have a, a Luxembourg company that is paying, so it can be interest or royalties to an enterprise, so it, can, it, it should be a collective entity. So for example, if the taxpayer, Luxembourg taxpayer, is paying to a tax transparent foreign entity, it, it would not apply. Um, so we, we need to have a look at a payment between a Luxembourg company and, for example, an investor, royalties and interest. Uh, you need also to fulfill this uh, associated enterprise uh, condition. And if the, the entity that is receiving the payment is located in a blacklisted jurisdiction, then that payment would not be deductible at the level of the Luxembourg company. And the, the way that you determine if uh, you are in a blacklisted jurisdiction or not is basically you have the EU Commission and the European Union in general that issue a blacklist uh, list, a blacklist uh, 
jurisdiction list. And then what they do is they update this list every couple of months, every six months for the moment. So that requires a bit of monitoring of the countries that are in, in, in that list to see if it affects your structure or not. There is fortunately a carve out for, for this rule as well. So it means that when the structure has been put in place for valid uh, economic reasons, and then you, you are able to, to explain the economic rationale behind the, the structure, then uh, the, the rule would not apply. And for the moment, the, the rule has not yet been adopted in Luxembourg, but it's expected to, to come a bit later this year and probably to apply as from March 2021. That needs to be, to be followed. And then the fourth topic that I will present is the, um, the new circular uh, on basic interest deduction uh, limitation rules. As you probably know, so we have interest limitation rules since 2019 um, that also come from the anti-tax avoidance directive. That one is number one. Um, and we were expecting for a few years now some guidance from the tax authorities about these rules because the law is drafted in a way that it doesn't go into much detail. Um, and the tax authorities have issued this circular so a few days ago, and they clarify a few topics. So it's not a revolutionary uh, circular, but basically there are two topics that are given some, some light by the tax authorities. The first one is they give a lot of examples regarding what is to be considered uh, borrowing costs. And they basically say that when you need to determine uh, what qualifies as interest income, because as a reminder, so interest income and economically equivalent income are not defined in, in the law. So you don't know exactly what qualifies as interest or not. So when you need to, to make that determination, you can have a look at what is a, a borrowing cost and you can apply a, a symmetric approach. So you would have to consider the same at uh, expense and income level, and you can determine what goes in and what goes out of, of, the, of the company. And um, so that's the first clarification that they give. They also give a list of numerical examples to, say, to see how the, these rules apply in practice. And let's say the second interesting topic that they address in the circular is the application of grandfathering rules. So as you may know, um, the interest limitation rules, they applied at, at, a, at a certain date, but they gave some grandfathering for all structures. And those are structures which contain, for example, loans that have been uh, put in place before June 2016. Those were not targeted by interest limitation rules. But there, there was a question of what happens if those loans are modified so in, in the future and how these rules would apply in, in those cases. And they basically explain that whatever has been agreed upon before June 2016, uh, even if there are some changes, for example, if the interest rate changes or if the maturity changes, uh, the grandfathering rule would still apply, but it needs to be, uh, it, yeah, it needs to be envisioned before June 2016. If you change the, the loan agreement at a further stage, then the grandfathering rule would not apply. And then um, also on the circular, we were waiting for some guidance on um, how these rules would work in a context where a Luxembourg company would invest in distressed debt or non-performing loans. And on that, uh, the tax authorities have not issued any guidance, so um, we don't have any, any, any more guidance on that one. And now I will leave the floor to, to Vincent for the tax treaty update. Thank you, Yves. Um, so we 
can continue now with the tax treaty updates. Um, as you can see, uh, a few uh, a few elements, new protocols for Kazakhstan, uh, uh, Russia, um, some countries in relation to the MLI, so the multilateral instruments. Uh, uh, so the provision would apply for some countries. So um, it's a uh, it's a basic view of the of the of the, of the different uh, news in that respect. Maybe two comments in, uh, on that. And uh, the, the, the protocol with Russia is something. Uh, something important. Uh, we we come from a situation where we 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 had in certain cases a five percent withholding tax on dividends and no withholding tax on interest. And um, in order to uh, I would say uh, 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 rebalance the position from a Russian perspective, they they, they took the initiative uh, of this protocol uh, in order to uh, increase the withholding tax uh, up to fifteen percent in both cases. Uh, with certain exceptions, so uh, it's uh, it's uh, it's something important to uh, to, uh, to to note. Um, the the other comment I would like to 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 to, to make in relation to the treaty updates uh, relates to the new treaty with the UK. So as as you know, um, we we have since uh, many years uh, we know that the the, the the UK and Luxembourg authorities uh, are discussing. Renegotiating the, the, the current uh, double tax treaty, um, there is nothing new uh, uh, officially uh, on the on the Luxembourg side, and uh, as far as I know, not really on the UK side as well. Uh, this is something to, to to monitor closely because, of course, uh, um, we one of, one of the things, one of the provisions that they would like to to to, to include in this uh, new double tax treaty, um, this is a language clause. Uh, in terms of uh, real estate investments, allowing to uh, tax the gain in the UK uh, or in Luxembourg, of course, uh, if you uh, invest via uh, a language company. So, and they will, they, they will have some other provisions, of course, based on the based on the on, on the bets, uh, uh, bets outcome and uh, and the, um, the MLI. So, this is something to to to, to monitor going forward. Um, we, we can we can stay in the in the UK area and, uh, and make a quick um, uh, update uh, on the on the on the Brexit and what will be uh, what will be the the, the impacts uh, from a direct tax standpoint. So technically, uh, the EU directives uh, are, are no longer binding for the for, for the UK. Uh, they, they 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 have the possibility. Uh, to uh, uh, to exit from the pound subsidiary directive, interest royalty directive, or natural directive. Of course, they implemented uh, so those provisions uh, via uh, uh, domestic law, so they, they, they will probably keep and try to improve such mechanism in order to uh, not get getting rid of all the all, all the provision. Uh, uh, and uh, this is something to to, to monitor a, a, as well. Um, there is a, a, an agreement between the EU and the UK uh, that uh, they, they have the possibility to to, to adjust and uh, the legislation, but keeping in mind and uh, uh, respecting a fair, uh, I would say, a fair position in terms of a, 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 a tax relationship with the EU and uh, to avoid. Uh, 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 particular tax dumping. This is something that we have to, to, to be monitored closely, of course. And if you look at uh, uh, the example of DAC6, 
um, uh, just a few days after 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 the the, the the, the, the signing of the agreement, they, they decided to repeal that uh, in order to keep only um, so a reporting obligation for for uh, certain structures uh, relating to Omar D. So to 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 sum up, it's uh, uh, the structures that could lead uh, uh, challenge or, or minimize the the external information or to uh, hide uh, I would say the identity of certain shareholders, and so. Except the structures covered by this hallmark, they repeal all the other hallmarks. The reason is to say that they would like to stick with the OECD mandatory disclosure rules. The such rules refer only to, I would say, uh, uh, um, preserving the, 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 the direction for information and uh, in relation to the shareholder and beneficial ownership and so on. So it's in line with uh, the OECD approach, but we can see that. Uh, it's uh, clearly a deviation from the, 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 the EU policy in that respect. So uh, it's, uh, it would be very interesting to see what would be the position of the UK going forward. Um, we, 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 we know that they could try to uh, be more competitive in order to, 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 uh, to, to, to keep attracting uh, uh, investments and, uh, uh, I would say, uh, the, the, the decision makers. But at the same time, as you, as, as you know, uh, they, they, they have a, a huge uh, a budget issue to, to deal with, and uh, we, we, we can see that uh, they, they, they're thinking about introducing a, a network tax or uh, to realign the capital gain tax treatment with those of a, a, a general um, a salaried or um, revenue income. So this is something very interesting to monitor going forwards. In Luxembourg, um, and especially if we, if we make a focus on the, on the participation exemption regime, we, we, we have this regime will continue to apply with the EU because uh, it's not based only on the relationship between um, Luxembourg and a, a, an EU company. Uh, you have a, a criteria relating to the fact that the company, foreign company, is subject to tax, which is the case for a UK company. So. Uh, the application of, the, of, of this rule will not be uh, impacted. Um, the, the, I would say the criteria on which we will rely and we will apply in this rule will change now. So it's, it's, it's another criteria, but the, the outcome will be, uh, would be, uh, would be the same. If we, um, we, we can finish now uh, with, uh, with the EU and uh, international trends. So it's a, it's a more prospective uh, 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 view on the different initiatives. Uh, I, I won't uh, go into the detail of each, uh, but you have on this slide a, a panoramic view of the different, uh, uh, different elements uh, uh, for, for, for now and the, the future. So if you, if you look on the, on the left side of the, uh, of the, on the slide, um, discussion uh, at the level of the OECD in order to, uh, to continue improving the dispute resolution mechanism. So this is something, uh, uh, this is something which is uh, currently uh, uh, on the table. Uh, we have the, 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 the COVID-19 uh, uh, situation, and uh, I would say a, focus, a particular focus on the permanent establishment risk. So this is something interesting to have in mind. As you, as you, as you remember, uh, uh, following the first lockdown in Europe, we, we had uh, um, a specific measure introduced uh, for, for, for in, in the tax field 
for um, for workers that uh, that work in a, in, a, in a different country, of course, in order to avoid uh, taxation in the residence country. And we, we, we the OECD issued some guidelines in relation to uh, the risk of a permanent establishment qualification of a company, uh, saying that the, we are in presence of an exceptional situation, and so uh, we, we we cannot, uh, I would say, strictly apply the, the the provisions of the of the of the double tax treaty or of the domestic uh, legislation in order to recognise a permanent establishment uh, uh, due to this specific situation. The fact is that uh, this uh, a particular situation lasts, and we 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 are uh, one year now. And so it's very important to uh, to uh, to monitor that risk or to monitor that point because, despite the OECD position, uh, we might have in different country uh, uh, on a domestic basis we might have some deviation or we might have an application of the of the P criteria that deviate from this uh, recommendation. So this is something to to to, to monitor, as you know. Uh, we, we have different situations that could uh, could be seen, employees uh, that could be considered as dependent agents in the country of residence. We could have an issue around the the the, the, the change of the residency of company because the the the, the, the board member are, are, are locked down in a, in, a, in a different jurisdiction outside uh, uh, outside the the the, 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 the set of residence of the company. Uh, so the, these are elements that has to be kept in mind and monitored. But in principle, the, the OECD recommendation could uh, allow to avoid a major issue in that respect. Other initiatives. So we, we have a common uh, initiative regarding OECD uh, by the OECD and the EU regarding the taxation of the digital economy. This is a huge uh, project. Recently, um, the there is a, the, the, the application of the blueprints uh, on pillar one and two. So the idea on, on the pillar one is to have a, a relocation of taxing rights uh, for MEs uh, based on the uh, on the on the, the share on the different market where the, uh, the, the where they operate, where the consumer are based. Uh, based on Nexus approach, so they, this is a technical uh, rule that will allow to, to, to share, uh, I would say, the, the, the taxing right between, uh, between the different jurisdictions in which the, such MNEs operate. Uh, this is Pillar 1, and under Pillar 2, um, the idea is to have a global anti-based uh, erosion rule that uh, will lead to have a minimum taxation uh, in, uh, in, the, in the country in which the MNEs operate. So this is a, a huge project. Uh, I, I, I've mentioned the consensus is expected uh, mid-year. Uh, and as you can see, the EU in parallel uh, put some pressure in that respect to, to, to move forward quickly and uh, is ready to, 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 to put forward a proposal in case uh, the discussion at the OECD level uh, will, not be, uh, uh, will not be satisfying. As we got the EU uh, now only, uh, we have different uh, uh, initiatives on, on the table. So we have now uh, DAC 7 uh, that will extend the DAC obligation uh, to income in relation to digital platform. So in, in that situation, 
the platform operator uh, would be considered as an intermediary and would have to uh, uh, communicate information in relation to the income generated. So this is a, this is a proposal, of, a proposal of directive that has been, uh, I mean, there is an agreement, technical agreement uh, obtained uh, at the end of, the, of last year, and it should, uh, it, should, uh, it should be approved formally in the coming uh, weeks. So this is a, a directive that will have to be transposed uh, by uh, year end 2022, and uh, that will apply in, in, in Europe uh, as from 2022. 23. Other, uh, uh, other initiatives for green taxes. I won't. I won't. I won't detail that. You have a, a, a few a few items on the, on the table. A last comment in relation to the, to the EU initiative. Um, the public CBCR proposition, uh, which aims at uh, uh, putting at the disposal of the public the the, the, the the data in relation to the country by country reporting. Um, they, they had some uh, attempts to, uh, uh, to, to put that project on, on, on the table in order to move forward, but for the time being, this is something, something that has not been, uh, 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 I would say, agreed on. So uh, it's still, uh, it's still um, uh, something under the radar of the European Parliament, but uh, nothing new in that respect uh, from, a, from a pure uh, legal standpoint. So, um, I, 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 I think we have uh, we have some questions. Uh, Eve, I, I let you uh, I, I let you look at the, at the question and uh, maybe uh, pick up uh, two or three questions in order to answer them. Yeah, sure. So we we are running a bit short on time. So if you have any questions, please uh, write them in the in your Q and A section that you have in, in WebEx, and we will follow up by email. Uh, if you don't have the time to to deal that because I see that we have received quite a few. Um, so maybe the first question that I see is, uh, so do the reverse hybrid rules apply to uh, individual shareholders of a Luxembourg SESP? And the answer is yes. So we, when we have a look at associated enterprise concept, it can be a company, but it can also, it can also be a, an individual. Obviously, uh, you would need to, to meet the thresholds that I was mentioning before, but it's, it's individuals, but also companies that would invest in a Luxembourg SESP. Uh, second question that we have is uh, how are taxpayers dealing with their DAXIX obligations? I don't know if you want to pick that up, uh, Vincent. Yeah. Um, so, for, for if we if we make a, if we if we make a focus on the on on, on the foreign industry, that uh, for example, um, the management company or the alternative investment fund managers are generally. Uh, uh, are generally considered as intermediaries, and so uh, in order, I would say, to 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 uh, to be uh, uh, to be prepared in, uh, in case of uh, audit or question from the tax authorities, uh, the the best practice is to um, have a, a kind of uh, internal policy in order to determine uh, uh, when uh, in your in your operational process. Uh, the different uh, triggering events and, uh, and delay will uh, will start in order to uh, to systematize the, the, the process and to uh, to analyze uh, at the at the right time uh, uh, the, the different uh, the different uh, arrangements and to uh, the second leg of this is to uh, of this best practice is to is to of course gather uh, uh, the outcome of the analysis of your arrangements. Uh, in the kind of uh, base or matrix or whatever document in order to to uh, to be able to show that 
to the tax authorities that uh, a review uh, of the of the, of the given arrangement in relation to the different old mark has been has been made. So this is some, this is what we what we see uh, uh, what we see as as a best practice. And I see that we also have a bit of questions uh, regarding this Thursday, and I think for those that it's a bit more of a complex subject, we will follow up uh, by email to you. And for those that want the presentation, we, we can also obviously send, send copies to you. So at least uh, on our end, thank you very much for attending the webinar, and uh, let's keep in touch. Thank you for your time. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this webinar. We hope you found it interesting. Should you need more information on our tax expertise, we invite you to visit our website www.arent.com. Besides, you can download our new app Arent Insight to keep Arent's expertise right at your fingertips around the clock.